read the entire Bible through. And, uh, and it will be a blessing and encouragement to you. And so I want to encourage you to do that. I strive to do that as well. Uh, every year I try, to, I try to shoot for a little bit less than a year, uh, just me personally. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, if it takes you a year, if it takes you a year and a half, uh, just it, it's a good thing to do. And it will help you spiritually. It will help you familiarize yourself with so much of the Bible as you do that over and over. And, uh, and it's a, a blessed thing to do. So I want to encourage you uh, to read through your Bible, continue doing that. And then um, as you're looking for Jonah, uh, you're, most of you are probably there now. And uh, praise the Lord, I made it back safely. I went to graduation for my daughters. They graduated on Thursday night. We made it out there in good time. And uh, it's about a... About an eight-hour drive out and eight-hour drive back, and so we drove out Thursday, drove back on Friday. Praise the Lord for a good trip all the way around, good graduation service. And uh, most of our college kids, I think, not quite all of them, but uh, many of them have returned and had safe trip. Uh, so praise the Lord for that. We're grateful uh, for the safety that they had on the roads coming back as well. And uh, so continue to pray for them as they get busy this summer and uh, work and, and continue to look forward to going back next year, the ones that, are, that didn't graduate. So uh, pray for them. There was one other thing I was going to mention, and it slipped my mind. So I guess we'll just go to Jonah, and, uh, and we'll skip it. So Jonah, chapter number 2. Let's start, let's go, actually, Jonah chapter number 1, the last verse, verse number 17, let's start right there, and uh, the Bible says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about all thy billows, and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The, depths, the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom, bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for your word that we can read, that we can study, that we can look at, God, that we can learn from. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart as only you can. And God, may 
We be blessed by being in your word this morning. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage, we, uh, we left off last week and we didn't cover verse 17. That's why I want to include it. And verse 17 is really where a great deal of, of disbelief enters in. A lot of people look at verse 17 and, uh, and a lot of scoffers uh, look at verse number 17 and they say, well, that's not possible. And, and they just draw a line. And, uh, and let me just say this. If you're drawing a line at God and saying that's not possible, um, boy, you're limiting the power of God. And that's really what they, they are doing. They are dis, dis, they're not believing uh, that God is able. If God created everything that exists on this earth, and I believe He did, the Bible confirms that He did, then... Uh, there is nothing, and the Bible says this, nothing is impossible for God. Um, if God can die on the cross like He did, and three days later raise from the dead like He did, then anything is possible for God. And so I don't want us to exclude miracles from the possibility of God. He says there in verse number 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Two things I just want to point out as we look at this disbelief is that one is that, uh, that, that some people will say, well, it says fish here and it says whale in the New Testament. So which was it? Was it a whale or was it a fish? And, uh, and I don't know to be honest with you, because I was not there. Um, and so I'm not for sure. The Bible's pretty clear here that it was a great fish. And Jesus, when he quoted, said a, a whale's belly. And so I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I can't give you an answer to that. And some people will argue. They'll say, well, there is no fish. There are no fish. Sorry, bad English. There are no fish that are capable of swallowing an entire person whole and, and not crushing them on the way down. And to that I would say this, number one, we don't know that to be true. The fact of the matter is, we don't even know all the creatures that live in the sea. That's a fact. Uh, the science has not explored, nor, nor can tell, uh, nor knows. The second thing I would say to that is, it's very possible that a fish existed prior uh, that has died off. Um, we know that dinosaurs existed. We have skeletal remains of them. So we know that they existed. You walk around today and they're not around anywhere. You don't see them uh, because they have died off. They're extinct. So it is possible that a fish did exist that was able to swallow a man that now is no longer in existence. So to discredit God and to say that God's word is not true because a fish doesn't exist today is not fair to God and not right. Um, because God is able to do miracles and God is able to, uh, to have a fish. And then the third thing I would say is that, you know what? If God wanted to make one fish with a birth defect that his throat was really wide, he could have done that. 
And so I'm just saying uh, there's multiple ways that God could have done that, but he chose not to tell us the details of how he did it, and we're not to get caught up in all of the details of how, what, and explain everything, but we are to understand that God prepared a fish and it swallowed Jonah. That we know because the Bible says it. And so as we look at this, we need to understand and recognize that the Word of God is true, and, uh, and we don't necessarily have all the details. We don't necessarily have to understand all of it, uh, but we do understand that nothing is impossible for God. And God was very much so involved in the fact that Jonah uh, was swallowed by that whale. And so we understand that. Uh, but I want us to look at this morning, not about the disbelief that many people would throw at the book of Jonah, uh, but rather, well, let me say one more thing about that disbelief as well, because uh, Jesus himself accredits the story of Jonah, because he said in, uh, I forget where, I don't think I have it in my notes, but it's in the Gospels. It's in the, uh, one of the Gospel accounts. And, and Jesus, Jesus said, For as Jonah was in the whale's belly for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. So with that, Jesus Christ himself substantiates the fact that Jonah did exist and that Jonah was swallowed uh, by that whale or by that great fish. And we understand that and know that because the Word of God tells us that. And so I just want to give you those few things to refute because many people will point to that. And they, they uh, let me say it this way, they choose not to believe that God did that. Um, and so uh, it's just a different way of looking at it. We choose to believe that God did that. It's just like evolution. And, uh, and you know, a lot of people, they choose to believe that there is not a God and therefore all created happened by a chance explosion uh, or, or, or that two amoeba just happened to bump into each other at the right time and form a new type of thing and that continued to evolve. They choose to believe that. It is faith uh, on their part because there's no substantiation uh, of that in science. We don't have, listen, if, if all of that morphing was true, uh, listen, about half of you would have tails, the other half would have wings, and honestly, I could use four or five legs and, uh, and wings and a tail. I would be happy with that. But we don't see that. Why? Because as the Bible says, every one of those animals and every one of those creatures bring forth after their own kind. So a horse, when it, uh, when it pro, uh, creates with a horse, you know what you get? A horse. You're not going to get a dog. You're not going to get a cow. You're not going to get a cat or a monkey or a bird. They always reproduce after their kind. Now, there is, uh, there is, um, there is the evolution of the smaller. So if you, take, uh, if you take dogs, then this is how you end up with a, a little tiny dog and then a great big Great Dane or a larger dog uh, because they breed them. Uh, with the smaller and smaller and smaller until they get the tiny dogs, and then they breed the larger, larger, larger until they get the big dogs, and they, they made all of those, but every one of them is a dog. You don't see them breeding and, and coming out with other creatures. So uh, just I would just wanted to mention that. That was not even in my notes. That was free this morning, all right? Uh, let's go into chapter 2. 
So we see, the, we see that God was involved. We see that God prepared that fish. And then we, we look at chapter 2, and, uh, and there's a lot of interesting things in chapter 2. And I'm going to give you a couple things that uh, I find interesting. And I, again, I don't know the answer to everything. But uh, we see there the cause. We're going to look at Jonah's devotion in chapter number 2. We see the cause of Jonah's devotion. Look with me in verse number 1. The Bible says, I find this very interesting. The Bible says, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. The first thing under the cause, what caused Jonah's devotion? What drove Jonah to pray? What drove Jonah to cry unto the Lord? And the first thing that we notice immediately, it was the rod of God. What is the rod of God? The rod of God would be the affliction or chastisement of God. And listen, I just have to say this because God is not up in heaven just waiting for mankind to mess up so that he can zap them and say you're done that's not how god works his rod of correction is a is a rod that he desires to to reprove or turn or correct that wayward child that is going the wrong way many of you are parents and you don't just sit around waiting for your child to mess up. Say, man, I hope he messes up because, man, I really want to catch him and get him. That's not the way most parents think. Most parents think, man, I hope my child does right. And when they do mess up, it's kind of painful to say, man, they messed up. We got we to fix this. You know, they can't keep going down that road. They can't continue doing this because it's going to develop into a pattern. It's going to develop into a lifestyle that would be wrong and would not be good. I want the best for my child. So therefore, I'm going to try and uh, correct that, that behavior that I see that is wrong. Well, God has created us uh, much in his fashion. And the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 6. It says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. In other words, God loves his children and he does not want them to mess up. But when they do, there will be chastening. There will be a punishment, but it's not punishment because he enjoys to punish. It's not punishment because he says, man, I just can't wait to zap them with lightning. No, it's God saying, man, it pains me that my children mess up and that they go astray and I want them to walk straight and narrow. I want them to live a life that is right. I want them to have a life that is fruitful. I want what is best for them. So the, the rod of God is not that of just, uh, just to punish for, for punishment's sake, but it is for correction. I'm amazed at Jonah's life because... Some people, hard cases. I had six children. None of them are in here. My children are all different. Some of them, I say, don't do that when they were little. I say, don't do that. They start bawling. I mean, they're, they're, they, 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 they just, they were upset that they had messed up. Others of them, oh, buddy. It wasn't, don't do that. It was, 
man, I'm going to have to spank you. I'm going to have to correct this behavior. And even sometimes, uh, I remember one specific occasion, and I won't tell you who it is because I don't want to embarrass them, but, but, and and all of you maybe have had a a child like this or run into a situation like this and, and, uh, and, and where you, you discipline the child and the child's saying, that didn't hurt. (sighs) Oh, buddy. You know, you're like, what is it going to take? That's how Jonah was. Jonah was hard-hearted and hard-headed. Look at, look at all that took place. We went through Jonah chapter 1. God sent the storm. And, and Jonah did not even pray when that storm hit that boat. Matter of fact, he was in the bow sleeping. And, and the captain and the crew were busy already throwing stuff off. They were concerned for their life. They said, this boat's going to sink. We're all going to die. And the captain started going around telling everyone, these were heathen men. These were not children of God and they were saying hey pray to your gods because we're gonna die and and he goes and he finds Jonah asleep in the bottom of the boat and says what are you doing we're all dying out here and we're throwing stuff overboard and we're all praying to our gods you need to get up and be concerned Jonah was not even concerned when the storm had hit all the other sailors all the heathen sailors recognize this is God that's doing this or a God, because they were not Christian people, but they recognized this was a higher power. This was not in their, in their realm. This was not something that they could control. But Jonah didn't recognize it. And even when they come to Jonah and they asked him all of those questions that we looked at and they, they drilled him and, and established, hey, this is, uh, this is of God. And, and Jonah, even at that point, he could have prayed. and said, Lord, all right, what, what do we do? But he didn't. You know what he did? He said, throw me overboard. I mean, at least that's what we have recorded. We don't have recorded that he prayed. We don't have recorded that he cried unto God. We have recorded that he said, throw me overboard. That's what you're supposed to do. And so they they took Jonah, and they didn't want to. They wanted to get him to land, but they physically could not. So they picked up Jonah, and they threw him overboard. And when they did... Verse 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And it was not until chapter 2 and verse number 1, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Even when the captain told him to, we we don't find it recorded that Jonah prayed. We don't know, it doesn't say but it does make a point, and if it, if it was, it was uh, in action, and it was not sincere, and we don't find that he gets serious about God until, honestly, it's too late, humanly speaking. I mean, uh, in all practical purposes, Jonah was thrown overboard and left for dead. Those sailors thought he would die. Jonah himself probably thought... I'm dead, there's no more chance, there's no more hope for me, I'm a goner. And, and even if you read, when we read this, this passage, he said, I was sinking into the depths of the sea, seaweed was wrapped around my head, and, and he's thinking, man, I'm done, I'm gone. And we find he still didn't even pray at that moment. It was not until he was swallowed by the fish that the Bible tells us that he cried out unto God. I think that's pretty, pretty extreme, to be honest with you. Listen, we ought to be soft-hearted. When something happens, go to God. Pray to God. Ask God 
to, to help. So much of this, I'm assuming, and I'm interjecting my thoughts here, probably could have been avoided if Jonah would have repented and said, you know what, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to get this right. God, you tell me how to make it right, and, and, and let's get this fixed. And, and things could have been different. But Jonah was rather hard-hearted and hard-headed and didn't do what God wanted him to do. And we see the chastisement of God that took it to the extreme uh, that, that really, uh, humanistically speaking, Jonah was a dead man. Look with me in verse number 4. As Jonah's praying, he says, Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Look at that middle word, yet... I will look again toward thy holy temple. Not only did the rod of God cause Jonah's devotion, uh, but I think also uh, the possibility of reconciliation. The fact that Jonah said, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Uh, what was that holy temple? Well, sacrifices were made at the temple. And reconciliation was gained. At the temple. In the Old Testament, they would offer sacrifices and they would have to bring that lamb or bring that sacrifice and take and bring it to the temple. And at the temple, then, they would offer that as a sacrifice to, to reconcile. That would be to fix a broken relationship between man and God. And so they would bring those sacrifices to the temple in faith, following. God's word and God's law and doing what God wanted them to do as a means of reconciliation. That's Old Testament. But Jonah started thinking about the temple of God when he was in that fish's belly. He said, man, you know what? I need reconciliation. And it drove him to pray. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man and men, the man Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord that we can have reconciliation, and it's not through me, it's not through a church, it's not through a religious system, it is through Jesus Christ and Him alone. We can go to Him and be reconciled. The fact that He could be reconciled drove Him to pray, and to devotion. The rod of God drove him to devotion. Listen, there's the beautiful thing about God. is It doesn't matter how far you run. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. As long as you're still breathing, he'll say, hey, and maybe in Jonah's case we see otherwise. Maybe he wasn't even breathing. I don't know. But we see God says, hey, I love my children. I want them to be reconciled. Do you remember the story in Luke chapter 15 that uh, the Bible talks about the, uh, the wayward son, the prodigal son? And that prodigal son went to his father and he said, hey, I, I want my inheritance and I want it all right now. And the Bible says that he went out and he wasted his substance with riotous living. He went out and lived all the ways of the world, all the ways that his father would not approve of. He did whatever he wanted with all of the money that he had and all of that wealth. And the Bible says that after he wasted all of his substance and there was no more money left and there was no more partying because he ran out of money, that all his friends left him. Boy, isn't that how it often happens in the world? I mean, you think, man, woo, we're having the time of our life. And when the, when the cash flow dries up, all your friends turn out to not really be your friends. They're gone. 
And they say, well, we're, we're not interested. We'll see you. The party's no fun anymore. And, and this man, the prodigal son, the Bible says, came to himself while he was what? Slopping the hogs for a living. And he was looking at the slop, the absolute garbage that he was feeding to those hogs and thought, I would love to eat that. You ever seen what hogs eat? It is absolutely filthy. We had ho- there was hogs in Peru. And, and, and let me just say this about Peruvians. They don't leave much scraps. Okay, when, you're, when you don't have a whole lot, uh, you eat everything that you do have. And so uh, they didn't leave a whole lot of scraps, but the scraps that they did leave weren't very good. And guess who got them? The hogs. That was the hogs got them. And, and so, you know, they, they would take that and they would feed it to those hogs and those hogs would eat it. And that man would say, man, I wish I could eat that. That's how bad his life had become. But you know what? He says, I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to ask to be a hired servant because the hired servants in my father's house are far better off than I am right now. So he goes back. And on his back, you know what happens? The Bible says that his father sees him a long ways off and he goes to run into him. Man, what a great illustration that Jesus gave in that prodigal son story. And he says, the father, uh, the son comes to him and he says, he says, father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he says, listen, I'm not worried about that. I want you to bring forth the best robe and put it on my son. I want you to get the ring and I want you to put it on my son's hand. He says, because I love him. He just thought, man, I'm going to go back and be a servant. That's all I want to be. I just want to be a hired servant. And his father took him back as a son. What a great illustration of reconciliation. The matter is that God wants to reconcile with your life and it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. It doesn't matter what you have done and how far you have run and where you stand in your life. You are not farther than where Jonah was. And God says, hey, I want to reconcile. And it was that reconciliation of Jonah thinking of the temple and saying, I want reconciliation with God that drove Jonah to pray in in the whale's belly even. We see the reconciliation. Look in chapter chapter 2 again where we're at in verse number 2. The Bible says, verse number 2, And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. Look at this. And he heard me. Not only did, was it the rod of God and the affliction that came and the reconciliation that was possible, but it was the rescue by God that made it possible. Look at verse number 6. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. We know that this was written looking back. Jonah did not, uh, was not in the whale's belly uh, taking notes and with his notepad, okay? Uh, this happened after the fact that Jonah would pen all of this down. And he's looking back and he's saying, man, I was lost and I was gone, and I I didn't think I would come back, but yet I knew, hey, there was rescue that was possible with God. And the fact that he was looking forward and saying, you know what, God can rescue me. Uh, What a blessing to know that God can rescue you. 
How many people have ever uh, gone through a difficult thing in their life and they've landed in the hospital for some health scare or maybe some uh, terrible situation and, and immediately it seems like uh, even those who, who maybe are not uh, religious people will cry unto God. And listen, there is possibility of rescue from God because He loves people. Jesus said, I am not come to... Uh, to um, to heal the whole, basically, or to save those that are, uh, don't need saved. But he said, I'm come to call sinners to repentance. He said, hey, I'm looking to save people. I'm looking to change people's life. I'm looking to rescue people that are in need of help. And we see that Jonah, in retrospect, realized and understood, hey, that rescue was possible of God. And his remembrance of God and his great power. It's amazing how in a great personal affliction, we understand our frailty and God's great power. Well, that's so true. When, when, when we realize while we're mere mortal, when we realize we're not as powerful as we think, when then we call on God and we remember, Jonah remembered God. We see the cause of Jonah's devotion. I want to just touch on this. I will not spend time on it, but we see the circumstance of Jonah's devotion. Look with me in verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. What a strange place to pray. A place to, at, the, at the fish's belly, I mean, that he would pray. Sometimes we think and we have it in our mind that the only place you can pray is when you're sitting in church. Listen, sitting in church is a good place to pray. There's nothing wrong with that. You can pray, you should pray in church. But we're not limited to only praying in church. Jonah was in a whale's belly when he prayed. And God heard his prayer. You know, you can pray to God anywhere you are at in this world. Uh, I started thinking about and I just jotted a few of them down. Jesus prayed while he was in a garden. Uh, he prayed on a mountaintop. Jesus also prayed while he was on the cross of Calvary. And said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he prayed on the cross of Calvary. Moses prayed beside the Red Sea. And, uh, and we could go on and on. Elijah prayed atop of the mountain when there were 50 soldiers that were coming after him below. And what I'm saying is you can go to God in any place and in any time and pray to God. And Jonah realized that in the belly of the whale, the belly of the fish, that he could cry out to God circumstances, listen, they don't have to be just right to get in touch with God. Anywhere, in any place, in any circumstance, you can cry out and you should cry out to God. We ought to spend time praying and talking to God on a regular basis. But listen, just because you doesn't, just because you do not does not mean that you cannot call out to God at any other time. I want you to notice not only the circumstances, not only the cause, but I want you to notice the constancy of Jonah's devotion. In other words, that, that even in his darkest moment, we touched on the fact that for all practical purposes, Jonah was a dead man. For all practical purposes, he was going to die. Uh, and there was absolutely nothing left for him. But look again with me there in verse number four, and we can see his faith. The Bible says, Then I said, I am cast out of thy 
sight. Isn't it ironic? Let's stop right there for a moment. In the Jonah chapter number one and verse number one, Jonah was trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. He didn't like what God said. He didn't want to do what God told him to do. So he said, hey, I'm going to run from God. I'm going to get away from the presence of God. And he tried to do that only to find that he had failed in his mission because if you go out on a boat and you try and run as far as you can away from God, God is still there. Um, the Bible says that if you descend into the depths of hell, that God is still there. And so you cannot get away from God. But nonetheless, at this point in the whale's belly, Jonah feels like, wow, I, I tried to run from the presence of God and I could not get there, but now I feel like I'm out of God's sight. And there's, no, there's, there's the darkest moment in Jonah's life and for all practical purposes as we touched on he was dead but look with me in verse number four in the middle of the verse he says yet I will look again toward thy holy temple what incredible faith that Jonah said hey I, I'm going to see it again this is what he had said in the whale's belly in other words I don't think this is over. God can still fix this. That's some incredible faith. You know what happens most of the time, at least in my life, maybe, maybe you're more optimistic than me. We hit a little bump, and all of a sudden, we're all done. Man, God's not going to be able to fix this flat tire. God's not going to be able to repair this little problem. Jonah's in the belly of a fish, dying for all practical purposes with no hope of seeing the light of day again. And he says, yet will I look on thy temple again. And he says, hey, you know what? In the darkest, worst, most horrible moment of his life, he was holding on to his faith. And he said, I'm going to look to God. I'm going to see his temple again. I'm going to see that place of worship and that place of sacrifice and Jonah had tremendous faith in God that that was that remained even in some of the darkest and worst circumstances what an inspiration what a help to us uh, to remind us that listen in in our darkest moments and listen sometimes not even our darkest moments sometimes it's just a bad day we have them I have them you have them we all have them but sometimes even in those dark and hard days or difficult days, hey, listen, we can trust in God. Jonah certainly had faith in God. And I know it was a tough time and I know it was a difficult time, but, God, but Jonah was driven by his faith in God. And we can see his constancy in his devotion. We can see the circumstances that it doesn't matter where you're at. Uh, you can call and pray uh, to God. And we can see uh, so many things in the life of Jonah that he lived for God. And even, even in the worst times, he said, hey, I want to I get back to God. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, God is so good to take us as the people we are and love us so much that at any moment He'll take us back. That He loves us, that He cares about us. God, we thank You. God, for Your great love for us. God, Your great compassion for us. 
God, we see Jonah's prayer. We see that he did pray. We see that he did ask. He sought you. He had faith. Even in some of the darkest, worst circumstances. God, may we be encouraged in our life, no matter the situation we're going through, no matter where we have been, no matter what has taken place in our life, God, that we can be reassured that we can look to you and you can save us. God, may we not use that as an excuse to put off getting close to you or, or use that as an excuse to uh, not draw nigh to you now, but God, may we use that as a, an opportunity uh, to accept that invitation to come to you. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart as only you can. God, I pray that each and every person would be drawn to you this morning to be drawn closer to you. God, maybe there's one here that does not know you as their own personal Savior. God, that they would accept you today as their own personal Savior. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as the piano begins to play, the altars open. If God's spoken to your heart, maybe you just need to draw closer to God. Maybe you're a Christian like Jonah and, and you know some things aren't right and, and you've been holding out and, and you know God's spoken to your heart. Today, today's the day to close to Him. Tell Him you, you want to you wanna, uh, get things right and you want a good relationship with Him. Reconciliation is available. Rescue is possible. Call on God. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. You can put your faith and trust in Him today. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you recognize you need saved. You can do that today. You can do that right now by calling on Him, asking Him to save you, and He'll do that. And if you do that, talk to me, let me know. I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to encourage you. I want to help you. Tell somebody about it. God said that if we do that, that we'll not be ashamed of Him. Let somebody know about your decision today if you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior today. As the piano plays...
home, that song says. Ye who are weary, come home. 